Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO and co-founder of Scouts, Max Hansen. Welcome back to episode 66 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. One of the practice areas Scouts has been dominating for the last several years is cannabis. And speaking of dominating cannabis, today our guest is Ankur Rungta, co-founder and CEO of C3 Industries. C3 Industries is a private MSO with vertically integrated operations in Oregon, Michigan, Missouri, Massachusetts, and I believe more to come. We'll find out. Ankur, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast. Thanks for having me, Max. Uh, really uh, excited to join you today. Awesome. Well, I'm going to start out with kind of a softball question just to start moving down the, the path here. But uh, when and how did you get into the cannabis industry? So C3 was formed in late 2016, uh, so about five years ago. Uh, that's when we launched this business. Um, our core co-founder team is uh, myself, my brother, Vishal Rungta, and our third partner, Joel Ruggiero. Uh, and the three of us kind of joined forces and launched the original iteration of this business back in 16. And our first project, our first asset was a, a production cultivation facility in Oregon that uh, that we developed that went online in, in early 18. Uh, but, you know, to, to take it a step further back, uh, all three of us have, have been in and around this industry for a long time, uh, but, you know, both in its, you know, pre-licensing era, as well as now in the licensed environment. Um, so we do bring some pretty deep history in this business. Uh, my partner, Joel, was a longtime cultivator, um, you know, in the caregiver market uh, and kind of pre-licensing market. Uh, Vishal and I were involved in, in sort of the cannabis world in Michigan for many years, uh, both in the caregiver and, and pre-licensing environment. So, so we've got some pretty deep, deep roots in the business, but this iteration of it was started in, in late 16. Awesome. And I'm going to dig in just in a couple of minutes, we'll dig into uh, kind of the relationship with your brother and Joel and, and kind of what that was like when you guys were younger, but just because we're at the front end of this and I know the audience likes to hear this information first. Tell us what C3's footprint looks like today. I think most people that are in the know in the cannabis industry understand that you're established in Oregon and Michigan, Massachusetts and Missouri, but give us an idea of like how large each facility is currently. I know you just built a, a fantastic facility in Weberville, I think is, is the uh, city and, and how many dispensaries you have up and running. And then, sorry to make this, this question so complex, <laughs> Because I'll repeat it if you need me to, and then tell us what you have on the horizon, like dispensaries that are in currently open. But I just kind of want to understand and want the audience to understand your footprint as it sits today and in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, as you mentioned, we're vertically integrated in four states: so Michigan, Massachusetts, Missouri, Oregon. Um, we hold cultivation, processing, and retail licenses in, in all four of those markets um, today. We are, as a company, we're about 375 employees. Um, we are, you know, we have a base on the production side of the business. We have a base footprint that we look to build and operate in each state. And that's a 40,000 square foot cultivation and processing footprint. Um, and we have those facilities operational in Michigan, Oregon, and Massachusetts. And we have a fourth one that's currently in construction in Missouri that will go online in the spring. Um, so in all four markets, we have that base 40,000 square foot cultivation and processing facility. 
Uh, in Michigan, we're also building a 90,000 square foot expansion uh, that's adjacent to our, our 40,000 square foot indoor facility. Uh, as you mentioned, that's in Weberville. Um, that's also going to be complete around May. So, um, you know, by May, we'll have roughly 250,000 square feet of total processing, uh, cultivation and processing footprint um, across the four markets. On the retail side, uh, we've got 21 total locations between the four states. Uh, of those, 10 are currently open and the rest are in active construction. Uh, the breakdown there is 12 in Michigan, five in Missouri, three in Massachusetts, one in Oregon. Uh, so that's our existing footprint today. Um, we will sort of have this whole portfolio that I described fully operational by, by the springtime, as I mentioned. Um, in terms of new, new development pipeline, new markets, um, we are actively pursuing licensing in new states right now. We've, we, we're applying in the Ohio retail lottery that's that's about to take place. Uh, the deadline's tomorrow for that. Um, we are intending to apply for licensing in New York and New Jersey as those programs roll out. Uh, historically, we have built this company, you know, basically all organically. We haven't really done much, if any, M&A. Um, and so we do intend to continue getting into new markets through that type of an organic process where we, you know, secure real estate, you know, obtain licensing or entitlements, build it out, operate it. Um, so we do intend to continue to grow in that same way as we have historically. I think in addition to that, we are also starting to look more seriously at some M&A uh, for the first time and, and do want to try to acquire some licenses to enter a couple of new markets that way. Um, and in particular, focus there is Illinois is at the very top of the list for, for markets that we may look to enter through M&A. And then we're also really interested in, in potentially doing something in Ohio, you know, separately of this retail round that we're applying in. Uh, we've also looked at some stuff in Maryland. Uh, so, so we're trying to make, you know, pursue a combination of both organic growth as well as some selective M&A now. Got it. Love it. And just as a note, uh, I see we talked January, I believe, or of this year for a, a few minutes. And I think you had 200 employees. So you're almost double the size uh, since January. So uh, moving into a pretty good clip. So congratulations to uh, the progress you guys are making. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. This was a big... 21 was a major kind of growth year for us. Um, we've opened, um, I want to say, of our 10 stores, I think seven of them opened this year. Um, and then we also have our new Massachusetts facility that's come online. We've been building up our corporate team in a really serious way. So that's why you see that kind of headcount growth. And, um, you know, it's going to continue at that type of a trajectory. Uh, by the spring, when all these assets are online, I think we'll be at, you know, I think 650 or 700 employees. Unbelievable. And there's one thing to note in this, and, and uh, I wasn't going to get too far into this because there's so much out there about uh, about the numbers and, and revenue, but uh, it is worth noting that you're, you know, you're growing this fast and you're profitable in 21. And, and I, you know, I think all of this that you're talking about is really coming to fruition, you know, next year. So the fact that you're driving a profitable business in such a high growth uh, phase is, is pretty impressive. No, thank you. Yeah, it's something that we're pretty proud of. We've, we've always been pretty focused on fundamentals um, and, and, and building sort of uh, cash flow positive, EBITDA positive businesses. So yeah, we, we, we actually, we were EBITDA and cash flow positive in 20 as well. And now we will be in 21 as well. And, and so that's, that's something that, like I said, it's a real point of pride. And, and the other thing I would note is, you know, in 20, we were all Oregon and Michigan in 21, we're, you know, vast majority still Oregon and Michigan, some Missouri and mass revenue coming in. But 
but these, you know, Michigan and Oregon are, are where we've been historically doing the most business. And those are very open competitive markets. So, um, so we've been really proud of the type of margin performance that we've shown. And, and to us, it's, it's part of our overall thesis that uh, we're an MSO that can go into competitive markets and make money. And we're not, uh, you know, we're not just looking for limited license opportunities. Of course, if we find those, we will, we will run at them as well. But, uh, but, you know, we cut our teeth in Oregon and then in Michigan. So, uh, so we're no, we're no stranger to competition. Love it. Love it. Well, Hey, uh, I'm kind of getting the feeling that Encore is a, uh, a little bit advanced guest. So we usually start in business and then we get in personal. Then we, then we, we usually run out of time, but if you don't mind, I'm going to switch gears and get into some personal questions that I'm interested personally. And I think our guests, uh, would be interested in, in kind of learning about you. Um, one thing that pops up to me when I look at all this progress that you're making uh, for you and your brother, but we'll kind of focus on you and we'll get into the whole family dynamics uh, in a minute. But what are some like personal habits and like daily, daily rituals and routines that you that you're involved with or that you've turned uh, that you do you know, to, to kind of stay on top of what you're doing? Because you've got a lot going on. So the first thing that comes to my head is this guy's sharp and he's growing a business very, very fast. Like what's behind the curtain? Like, what is it that keeps you, uh, you know, kind of on the top of your game? You know, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think it starts from, you know, the type of foundation that, that I've built in my career. And I, I think I'd speak for my brother, Michelle as well. Um, you know, we, we, I cut my teeth as a corporate lawyer and investment banker in New York, um, worked at really prestigious, but, but also very intense firms, um, really high expectations, you know, really intense sort of work environment. And, and, and uh, you know, it's all about sort of putting in the time, getting the reps, building a skill set, and then hopefully using that and translating into something, you know, entrepreneurial on our own. And so I think the foundation that we were able to build in the, in the finance world at these firms and sort of the, the work habits, the ability to multitask, um, you know, it, it's, 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 I think, created a really strong foundation for us. I think it's also something that needs to be balanced uh, because I think, you know, you can, you can uh, push yourself too far and burn out in this industry too. So I think, um, so I think there's always a, a healthy balance to these things. But, you know, for me, it starts with some of the habits I created when I was working in, in, in the corporate finance world. And, you know, I think, um, so it starts with, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I have a huge appetite for information. So I'm, I'm constantly, you know, seeking information both internally and externally. So I, I like to know both what's going on with our company, but also what's happening in the marketplace. And, and I'm a pretty voracious, you know, consumer of, of news and information and, and, and everything related to our industry, but also to the broader macro environment. Cause I think, you know, that's important for us to, to understand what's happening more broadly in, in the economy and, with consumer preferences. So, so I think reading, taking in a lot of information uh, is, is a key part of it for me. And then I think, you know, being able to multitask and being able to sort of track, you know, dozens or hundreds of work streams. And, you know, I, I view a lot of my job as a CEO and, and of a, you know, sort of a diversified business like this is really just pushing process, um, putting the right people in the right roles, um, having a, the right uh, the right kind of organizational strategy and prioritization and then pushing the process. And, and literally for me, that means, you know, at midnight every night, you know, everybody that works around me knows that, you know, 50 emails are going to go out saying, where's this at? Is this complete? 
Where does this stand? How do we adjust to, to achieve our goal in this area? Uh, I'm doing a ton of real estate development right now. That's a big part of what we do as a company because we're bringing all these assets online. And so that is absolutely about tracking the work streams, pushing on the process, trying to maintain these timelines and these budgets. Um, so, so it's a very hands-on approach. Um, I think it starts with having good information, but then beyond that, uh, you know, we, we as the leadership of the company need to make sure that it's, it's staying on track, that we're achieving our goals. And, and, and I think a lot of it is really about multitasking and, and keeping track of these different work streams and, and pushing them along to the best of our abilities. Got it. Got it. Love it. And what do you, uh, what do you do outside of work to keep your life balanced? Is there like you ski? Do you, I mean, what do you do? Is there something you do in the summers, winters, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, I think getting, uh, getting in some physical activity is crucial. Um, I've, I've learned that over the years. So I think we're all capable of sitting in front of our computers or our phones, you know, 24 hours a day otherwise. So yeah, I'm pretty active. I, I do a lot of cardio. I play basketball and tennis. Um, those are kind of the sports that I get into. I'm also a pretty avid sports fan generally. So, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the NBA and the NFL. I'm a big Michigan sports fan. So I was, I was at the basketball game last night where we lost to Seton Hall, unfortunately. Uh, but, but love, you know, love sports. Um, love the sort of uh, both, you know, the distraction of doing physical activity, but also going to watch sports events. Um, I've got, I've got two little kids. I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. So um, certainly any free time that I have, I, I try to figure out, you know, fun things to do with them. And, uh, my, my seven-year-old is, is, you know, the boy and is just kind of very, uh, uh, he's got a lot of interests, very kind of into sports and activities. So, you know, starting to run around with them and, and get into all that he's on the, the travel soccer team. So that's, that's a major, you know, kind of, uh, uh, use of our time, but yeah, I think it's a combination of having some fun, trying to stay healthy and sane and, and then, you know, really figuring out how to balance what we're doing professionally with, with, you know, with our personal lives. And, you know, my brother also has, has, you know, one, one young child, another one coming. So, so it's been a key focus for us is, you know, we need to, we need to, you know, we want this business to be as successful as it can be. Uh, but we need to also, uh, you know, kind of approach it in a sustainable way and not, uh, not burn ourselves out and out, not, you know, not kind of neglect our families, our personal lives. So, so it's something that we think about a lot. And, and interestingly for us, I mean, with, you know, it's just Michelle and I are, are two brothers. We don't have any other siblings. So like uh, we're facing kind of similar challenges, but we're also, I think, figuring out good approaches together and, and we can, you know, lean on each other and our experiences to do that. Love it. I'm going to weave back over to a little business, but then we're going to come back and forth a little bit, but uh, where did the name C3 come from? I, I thought I read something on where it came from and then I couldn't find it. So I just thought I'd ask. And, and it, is there any yeah. significant meaning to the name? Well, it's really, it's actually, it's sort of a, a shorthand for cloud cover cannabis, which is our product brand. And really, you know, I'd say our core brand as an identity, that's our brand that we produce our flower concentrates and, and carts under. Um, so cloud cover cannabis, you know, C3. Um, so that. It's sort of just shorthand for for that brand, and and we, we wanted to establish, you know, a corporate identity that was a little bit separated and removed from our consumer brands, but still had a, a relationship there. So, so that's where that came from. Got it. And I assume you're a Buffalo Bills fan. I am a huge Buffalo Bills fan, and uh, yeah, that's that is uh, you know certainly we could take up a whole podcast with that conversation, but uh, yeah, we're. You know, when you when you come from Buffalo, there's a few commonalities, and and I think you know 
being a diehard Bills fan is pretty much true of almost any Western New Yorker that you'll meet. But yeah, it's uh, it's finally getting exciting again after after many years. Yeah, I've got a good close friend here in Scottsdale, and he's from Buffalo, and he goes back for at least a few games. In fact, he's back. I think it was last week. And man, they are diehard. Like, I mean, yeah, Bills Mafia, baby. <laughs> there's there's a uh, you know very interesting fan base, and you know it's it's as a city, you know, I I love Buffalo. I mean, it's where I spent my whole childhood, and it's you know there's you know it's 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 been a tough economic environment, although it's gotten better in recent years, but you know, the bills are like that constant that everybody, you know, just the city gets behind, you know, kind of a blue collar team, uh, good fit for the area. And, and yeah, people are just really into it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a multi-generational, you know, kind of, uh, it's a very diverse fan base. It's all different kinds of people and, and the whole city gets behind the team, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I love it. I'm a Seahawks fan. Unfortunately this year, it's, uh, made it a little less fun for me to watch football. Um, so <laughs> But yeah. I do kind of just just off the, the cuff, remember Marshawn Lynch coming from the Bills, and that was uh, significant for the Hawks. Back <laughs> I love that guy. I love that guy. He's awesome. Uh, so coming, going back, you made a comment, and I'm, I was just interested, uh, and I'm sure the audience is too, but I, I'm interested in your background as a corporate lawyer and investment banker. Like you talked about, you know, the just kind of the routines and, you know, kind of the work habits and stuff that, that you built, you know, working for these other firms. But how else do you think that plays into your skill set as a CEO? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, when you're the CEO of a cannabis company and you're trying to make, you know, this kind of a multi-state vertical play, um, there's so many different aspects to what we do. And it's not just about, you know, of course, it's not just about the operations and the products, but it's, it's about the real estate development, the capital markets activity, balance sheet management. Um, a lot of deal making that goes on. So, you know, whether that's in the capital context, partnerships, whatever it may be. And so it, it actually, I'd say overall, what I do as a CEO of this company is very directly correlated to what I did and what I learned and, and the skills I built as a lawyer and a banker, because uh, that was a heavy transactional environment that, was in, that I was in. I had a focus, you know, on, on real estate, on gaming and lodging. That's what I did as a, as a banker and a lawyer. So, you know, I really was focused in areas that had a direct correlation to to cannabis, and and so now, as you know, in my day to day life, um, I, I'm using a lot of those same skills. Some of the relationships that I built at that time, uh, you know, from a capital standpoint and, and other aspects of our business have, have really come in handy. Um, so it, it's I think it's it's very you know it's very much in line with what I was doing then. And then I think the interesting thing, you know, what we view as a little bit of a differentiator for us is that. You know, yes, Vishal and I came from these pedigreed, you know, Wall Street, you know, firms and all that, but we also were around this industry, you know, even before that, right? So we're not we're not just some Wall Street guys that have come into cannabis. We're we're guys that were around the industry and have a very intimate, you know, understanding of the product, of the environment, the consumer. So in our minds, you know, part of the reason we started the business and thought we could do something successful is because we thought we had kind of both sides of that. That equation covered. We, we understood the capital markets, the deal making, the real estate development, but we also had you know long history in the business. Understood the products, had a fairly well defined strategy, at least in our minds, that we were trying to execute on. Um, and so you know, I, I think um, you know, I, I often you know, I work a lot with like uh, like we support like a, there's a club at the University of Michigan, the business school called Green Wolverine that we sponsor. 
you know, I get, I get asked a lot by, by kids, you know, that are, you know, in, in undergrad or whatever, that are looking at their different career paths. And, you know, I get asked that question of, well, how did you, you know, how did you build from that, you know, that career into this? And, and I do think that life has a funny way of kind of, you know, the, the things that you do earlier, it's not always clear and very linear, but, but it often, you know, there's often a building up and a, and a momentum that's created when you do certain things. And, and for me, I very much feel like there oddly, as I look back, the path looks far more linear than it did, you know, looking at it from the front end. But, but I do think that, you know, ultimately there was a good fit in terms of the role that I needed to play with this company and the things that I've done to get to this point. Got it. I mean, I just love uh, your story so far, just working with your brother. How close were you to Joel? Uh, were you and your brother to Joel growing up? Like when did Joel enter your life? Um, so, so very close. So I'm, I'm 39. I uh, graduated from high school in 2000. Um, Vishal and Joel are both 35. They both graduated high school in 2004, grew up together. They were, they were skateboarding buddies. That, that's how they got to know each other. Um, Joel, you know, he has also a cousin that is one of Vishal's closest friends. So they were, you know, they were pretty tight kind of, you know, from childhood and, and, you know, Joel's another just, you know, in my mind, kind of integral part of this and, and his, his backstory, you know, it, again, there's a reason that he's doing what he's doing today. And it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, 15, 20 year story of him, you know, grinding out, you know, learning how to cultivate, you know, being in the black market or the caregiver market, building these, you know, this skill set. But then, you know, he went to Colorado in 2011 and over, you know, he, he started working at a company called the Green Solution there, which was acquired by Columbia Care in the last couple of years, but, you know, kind of worked his way into a very senior role there, you know, ran some of their large cultivation facilities in Denver that were some of the first large commercial kind of sophisticated facilities, you know, in the industry. And so he kind of worked his way through a progression of being, you know, build, being a great craftsman in the caregiver market or the black market, translating that into building a really strong, and I would say, uh, sort of, you know, he was on the front end of people that built this strong skill set of designing, building, and operating these commercial style facilities. So what he had done as a craft person in the unlicensed market, he then built on top of it, you know, the, the real sort of institutional license, you know, commercial approach. And, and you know, because it's a very different animal to do that in a small scale versus in a, in a larger commercial setting. And, and, you know, and now, you know, in my opinion, you know, he's a huge reason for our success. And, and I think he's, he brings a skill set and approach to, you know, to doing cultivation in scale across multiple markets that, that not a lot of people in the industry have. And, and again, that's why we felt comfortable even starting this business because we wanted, you know, our, our initial goal was to produce the best flower, but, you know, you, don't, you can't do that unless you have the right leadership and the right philosophy and strategy around it. And, and that's really what he brings to the table. I love it. Yeah, I've, I've toured enough uh, grow facilities where that person that doesn't, you know, there's got to be that person that's got that skill set. And it's awesome that you guys found that. When was the first time you three conceived the idea of getting into business together? I mean, it goes really pretty far back. I mean, there's, I don't talk about this, you know, even when we were younger. Um, but, but I think when it really heated up was like in 2014, 15, uh, Joel was at the Green Solution at the time in Denver. Uh, Vishal and I were, you know, starting to really think about how we were going to enter the space. And, uh, and, and that's when, you know, we really said this partnership makes sense. It's complementary. 
uh, it, we feel like we're covering the different bases that we need to cover to be able to do this successfully. Um, we actually worked on a project together in, in I think, I want to say it was 15. Um, we were hired to consult and be partners in uh, an application in Illinois in their original medical licensing round that happened back then. Um, and so we actually were unsuccessful in getting that license, but we went through that whole process together, really closely working together. And, and, you know, for the first time as sort of, you know, kind of adults, I guess, we really did something together and explored. And that led to a lot of discussion around, well, regardless of what happens with this, you know, do we want to look at doing something more broadly together and, and that kind of snowballed. And, and again, I think it, it came down to like, you know, he was very thoughtful in saying, you know, are you guys the right guys for me to partner with? Do you bring the right, you know, the right complementary skill set? And then, and then, you know, we looked at him and said the same thing because, you know, I wasn't, you know, if we wanted to go out and produce the highest quality flower and, and compete in that marketplace, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it if we, if we didn't have the right pieces to, to try to attack that market with. And so, um, so I, I think it was really in that 14, 15 timeframe that we, kind of really kind of built that strategy and plan together and said, we're going to do it. We're going to lock arms. You know, three of us are equal partners. Um, you know, I think I, I, I mentioned that because I think a lot of companies in the, in the industry look at their kind of capital markets people and their quote unquote operations people in very different ways. And, and, uh, and it's very rare in, in my view that you'd have a person like Joel, uh, you know, who's truly an equal partner and brings the kind of, uh, you know, horsepower of the business that he does. And then it's truly incentivized to be part of that business long-term because I think a lot of our competitors view this talent as being um, easily hired and, and not uh, viewed in the same sort of partner way that you would think of some of the capital markets focused people or, or other parts of the business. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we get a call. We get calls all the time from all over the country, people that have licenses and they're like, hey, can you find somebody that can basically set this business up and, and run it? And in my mind, I kind of chuckle because I'm like, you're looking for an actual partner. Like, you know, there's not people that are just going to come in and you know, design your whole facility and grow forever for you and just, you know, be paid a salary. Uh, so I think you yeah. guys have it right based on the calls I get and kind of that sometimes I have to give people that feedback of, I think you're looking more for a business partner than uh, just an employee, but that's just my uh, two cents. So I think you guys set it up right. Uh, you know, I think the other thing is uh, I've got an older brother very successful business uh, in business. He owns a mortgage company. He went to uh, school in uh, Kings Point in the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, so back east. But he's two years older than me, so I think I have this this brother envy. I, he's we're so close now. We got closer now than ever. He's in San Diego. I'm in Arizona, and then we both live up in Idaho for the summer. But what's it like working with your brother? I mean, I, I like I said, I I'm a little. This is a little selfish for me, but hopefully the the audience that's listening is interested in, in hearing the story. But obviously you're older. Like, how did you decide who's going to be president versus CEO? Like, how did this kind of, like, what's it like? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, well, you know, we're extremely close um, and, and have been, you know, I think really, even since we were kids. So I think there was a strong, really strong foundation there in our relationship and, and a lot of trust, I think, between us um, in, 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 in the sense of like trusting each other's intentions, trusting each other's uh, you know, I'd say integrity and, and sort of our approach that we take with each other on things. Um, so it really, it started from that, but, but I think anybody who knows us well would say that we're very, very different people in terms of our, in terms of our demeanor, in terms of our, the way that we think about things. And, and so, 
you know, we, we have a lot of trust, but we also have a different, you know, viewpoint and perspective that we bring to things. And so, you know, the question for us is always, you know, how is that complementary? And if we put our two heads together and these different perspectives, will it ultimately lead to, you know, the best outcome? And, and, you know, are we more powerful together or, you know, or as individuals? And I think, you know, fundamentally we felt like together, you know, we could accomplish a lot and that we did bring different mindsets and perspectives that, you know, were complementary and, and when properly kind of put together, you know, when the sausage was being made, we'll come out of the other side would, would, would have the right level of balance and thoughtfulness and, and ultimately, you know, that we could be successful, you know, approaching things together that way. Um, I will tell you that, you know, I am older and I'm probably the more intense of the two. And, uh, and, and certainly I, you know, I, I have, you know, sort of, uh, I'd say CEO type of tendencies and qualities. And so we did have an early kind of discussion around, you know, what makes sense? Do we want to be co-CEOs? Cause, cause again, we are equal partners from an economic standpoint. Um, and, and candidly, he, you know, he had the, you know, he was the sort of guy who was able to say, look, I think for this moment, for this business, based on your personality, your demeanor, mine, you know, age and these things can sometimes play a factor, although I think it was less so. You know, he said, let's not confuse the market. Let's not play the co-CEO game. Let's let's put some clear, you know, in, you know, indications out to people of how, how our business works and you know how the how the structure is set up. And and so, you know, it was kind of a, an early discussion and an early resolution. And we've, you know, we've never really looked back from it. Um, I will say that in the way that we operate is always through consensus. And that's really among the three of us. Um, so it's not as if, you know, they've handed me some, some different level of decision-making authority, but, you know, with that said, there are, there are different dynamics to how you title and who plays exactly what role. And so, um, you know, I, I view it as those two guys showed a lot of trust in me in wanting me to take that title and that role and, uh, and feeling that I, I would be best suited of the three of us for that, you know, to sit in that seat. And again, not from an economic standpoint or otherwise, but they, they wanted me to, to be that guy. And, and I've embraced it. I, I think it is a good fit for, for the way that I approach things and look at things. And, but, you know, we've, I think, you know, we've really made it work. If the two of them were on this call, I think they would tell you that we're really equal partners. We really do only operate through consensus and, and we're all about building a cohesive, you know, strategy and plan and all that. It's never about one guy saying we got to do it my way. So, uh, so it's probably a long-winded answer, but but that's kind of how I, how I think about it. No, not at all. It's uh, it's great insight. I mean, just in the short interactions I've had with you, I mean, you articulate yourself so well. I can see why uh, you're in the CEO. I'm sure your brother and Joel and the rest of the, that your leadership team does too. But uh, kudos for you. You're very humble about it. Um, what did, what did your parents do, uh, growing up? Um, you know, I, I always like to ask this question because I'm, sometimes I'm not surprised and then sometimes I'm surprised, but I mean, just yeah. look at kind of how you, how you guys, you know, the school you guys went to kind of how the, the jobs you got out of college, all those yeah. things. Like, how were you raised? What did your parents do? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's an important question. If you really want to know something about somebody, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, my, my parents, you know, my parents are from India. Um, they came to this country in 1975. 
Uh, my dad was 20. Um, he came here to do his graduate work at Ohio State University. Um, and poor guy had both of his sons go to Michigan then, but, but that's how sometimes things play out. Um, but yeah, so they, they moved to Columbus. Uh, my dad is an engineer. Um, he, uh, he went to, he did his graduate work at Ohio State in chemical engineering and metallurgy. Um, and then he worked in auto for almost 30 years, um, primarily at GM or, or Delphi, you know, that part of GM and then at Ford. Um, extremely, I would say, extremely smart people, my parents, um, very hardworking, you know, a lot of the kind of, uh, I'd say, probably stereotypes of, of Indian immigrants to this country. Um, I think, you know, he wasn't a, 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 you know, they're not very wealthy people. I think, you know, the joke among Indians is, you know, you're either a doctor or an engineer, especially in that generation. And so, um, you know, he, he took the engineering path <laughs> instead of the, the medical path. Um, and, and so, uh, so, you know, we grew up in, in the suburbs of Buffalo in, in an area called Williamsville. Um, I went to a high school called Williamsville East. Uh, so middle-class area, you know, mix of different, different people, um, you know, some, some kind of more middle-class, like, like my family, um, some a little bit more kind of, uh, you know, at the, you know, kind of more entrepreneurial or in other professions. Um, and so we, I, we went to public school. I went to public school there. Michelle went to public school there and then finished here in Michigan. Uh, my parents moved to Michigan when, uh, when I was an undergrad and he was in high school. That's when my dad went from uh, GM to Ford. Um, you know, and, and growing up, you know, again, you know, somewhat stereotypical. They're extremely focused on education. Um, Vishal and I both, you know, performed really well from an academic standpoint, um, wanted us to be well-rounded. So it's all about sports activities, volunteer work, you know, like I'm an Eagle Scout. I tell people that's something they don't, that, you know, people that know me now are sometimes surprised to hear. They don't, they don't envision me camping in the woods, but, you know, I put, I put years and years of my life into getting, you know, achieving that, that goal, which is a, a huge, you know, to this day, I think it's one of my, I view as one of my greatest accomplishments. Um, and so it was all about, I think for them, us working hard, you know, certainly academics were first and foremost, but, but then, you know, also, uh, making sure that we were well-rounded people balance, you know, volunteer work, community, you know, members of the community being, being positive, uh, sort of, you know, people, people, you know, beyond just what we're doing professionally. Um, so, so yeah, I mean that, you know, the, the family is like that. We have no other family in this country. My parents, you know, in both of their families are the only, ones, you know, among their siblings or anyone that moved to the U.S. So uh, that's not always the case. You know, some Indian families, there's a lot of the broader families here. But, you know, for us, we were it was really just the four of us from a family standpoint. So uh, so I think that's part of what created those really tight bonds and and maybe, you know, kind of uh, was part of what could have led to our, you know, my brother and I having this partnership in life. Um, but, but yeah, I mean that, you know, so so I think, uh, you know, came up from relatively humble background. And, but with that said, always had incredible role models, uh, always had uh, people pushing us to try to achieve. And, and so we're very lucky to, to never lack for, um, you know, that sort of positive, those positive forces in our life. And, and I think, you know, that's what's allowed us to hopefully go out and, and, and perform and be successful. And, and, you know, and I think in cannabis and in life generally, I think we're, we see more and more that, you know, people that, you know, the, your values, your integrity, 
your reputation, you know, these things are, are really meaningful and, and become even more meaningful over time. And so, so I think our approach to the business has always been that we're not, in a, we're not going to be the first to win the race. We're not going to cut corners. You know, we're not going to screw people over. Um, you know, that, you know, that starts from how we interact among the three of us and then to our broader organization internally. And then, and then everybody to deal with outside as well. Got it. You mad respect for people that are Eagle Scouts for sure, man. I, I don't know how you can respect somebody. <laughs> Eagle Scout. Like I said, probably the hardest thing I've ever done for sure. Yeah, I was a Cub Scout. I didn't quite make it, but Hey, the other thing I want to ask you, uh, I hope this isn't off a weird path, but the way I hired, um, we obviously hire executives. I've hired folks uh, uh, that were from India and had family in India. And I had to go through some paces. India is very conservative as it, as it relates to, uh, as it relates to cannabis as I understand, but I'm asking you because you're actually, uh, you know, originally parents are from India. Is, is, is it that conservative as it relates to cannabis? Like how do people in India view the cannabis industry? Um, so, I mean, it's, you're absolutely right that, um, that it is a conservative culture from that standpoint. And, you know, I can tell you for me personally, like my parents, you know, I had a lot of grief with them around my cannabis use, uh, because it was not something that I, I hid from them. And, you know, for me, I, you know, I started using cannabis when I was in high school. So it was, it's been part of my life, you know, flower, you know, smoking flower cannabis use generally has been part of my, my life for a long time. And so, yeah, my parents were not always comfortable with that. Um, I think, uh, you know, when we told them that Vishal and I were both leaving our careers in corporate America to launch this business, I think, uh, I think there was a, there was a pretty stunned uh, moment there for, for them to, you know, process that. Uh, but, but look, I think like, like a lot of people in the world, um, certainly for my parents and, and people in the indie community that I've seen, uh, perceptions and views and all that have changed massively, um, even in the last, you know, 20 years or so since I've been, you know, an adult and, and out in the world. So it's, you know, I can tell you, my parents are huge supporters of what we do now. They're so excited about, you know, kind of this business that we're building. Uh, they don't think that we're, you know, out peddling some negative product that's going to be harmful for society. I think it's, it's quite the opposite. I think they're, they, they really started to understand why we have such passion for this product, why we think it actually is a net plus for society for it to be out there and, and you know, in a, in a properly licensed tested format. And, and, you know, I think they've, they've come full circle. And, and I can tell you, even my mother um, has sort of some chronic pain issues and some health issues that she's dealt with for, uh, for a while. And, and she's, you know, began to put use cannabis in her life and it's helped her massively from a, you know, from a sleep standpoint and, and other things. So, so I think, you know, like anything in life, I think the, the fear of it, you know, starts to go away as you become more familiar with it, as people become more educated. Um, so, so I think the Indian community is a great example of that, where 20 years ago, it was, you know, absolutely taboo. You know, you know, no Indian parent wanted their child even being near cannabis. You know, they viewed it as, you know, gateway drug and, and uh, you know, a way to derail any ambitions that you might have or whatever. And, and there was that very negative view of it. Um, and I think things have really, really changed massively and in a positive way. I think that, you know, the stigma around these products, um, it's only going to go away through the good work that hopefully all of us in the industry are doing. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, you have achieved a lot. So, and I love in this show, I have mentioned many times and all my guests, 
we always get back to like when we first start smoking weed or using cannabis. So it's always fun to have this conversation and be able to be proud and open about it. Um, so that's fun. What about, yep. um, so the way I've kind of follow your path, just, I looked at you and your brother's like background. It looks like you guys cross paths at university of Michigan. He's four years younger. You spent a couple more years in school because you got your JD and then he went to the West coast and you went to the East coast or is it vice versa? And then you've kind of reunited. Is that kind of how it, it all played out? Yeah. So yeah, very, very close to that. So basically I, I was, I graduated from undergrad in 2004 um, at the business school at Michigan. Uh, Vishal came into Ann Arbor in January of 04 to start that program at the B school. Um, and then I ended up deciding to stay in Ann Arbor for law school. So from 04 to 08, we basically overlapped in Ann Arbor while he was an undergrad and I was in law school. And then in 2008, we actually both ended up going to New York. Um, I took a job working at Sullivan and Cromwell, which is a big law firm there. Uh, Vishal took a job working at Mollison and company and in investment banking in their New York office. Um, so we were both in New York, you know, starting in 2008, I was there for, almost 10 years um, until I moved back to Ann Arbor in 17. Vishal at, in 2010, after he did a two-year analyst program at Molis. And then in 2010, he moved out to San Francisco. He took a position in private equity at TPG, which is a big private equity firm. Um, and then he lived in San Francisco from 10 to about 15 um, because he, he was at TPG for three years. And then he actually got a position working at Google and their biz ops group. Um, so he spent almost two years there at the tail end of his corporate career. So, so he was in San Francisco and then he also spent a time period of time in, in LA, um, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but we also have a pretty active film production company uh, that's based in Los Angeles. That's a little bit of a, a side project for us, um, but it's been, you know, an active, uh, an active platform that we produced, you know, 20 or so commercial films out of. And so, there was a period where Vishal was in LA dealing with that business. Uh, but in more recent years, he's moved back East as well. And, you know, our, our kind of primary and really almost sole focus since, you know, 16, 17 has been this business. Man, you're putting so many points on the board. I'm just laughing over here that your guys' side hustle is a film production <laughs> company. In LA. I, mean, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't make this stuff up. This has been amazing. Like, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. So what I mean, well, what, you'll, you'll have to give a shawl on because he'll give you all the fun stories from that world. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll do it the way this conversation is going. What do you what achievement are you most proud of, of what you guys have done uh, as a team or you know, individually, whatever it might be? Maybe it's a brand. What are you most proud of? Yeah, um, I think. I think for us, look, we're excited about the success of our business and, and some of the scale we're achieving and, and some of the recognition. Um, I think. For us, it's exciting that we've been able to accomplish some of this, but really kind of doing it our way and based on the same kind of fundamental ideas and, and principles that we had, you know, back in 14, 15, 16, when we first started dreaming this thing up. And, and by that, I mean, you know, heavy focus on cultivation and processing and, and the product quality on that side. And, you know, we've been winning the awards and getting the recognition and, and that's really exciting. And we haven't, you know, gone away from our core, you know, philosophy of how we design and operate these facilities. We haven't, you know, tried to cut corners and aggressively expand in a way that doesn't fit, you know, those principles. Um, so, you know, we've, we've started to have the success that we want and, and uh, we're excited about, 
you know, the scale and, and the awareness around what we're doing. Um, but we've, we've really, I think, been able to do it on our terms. And, and, you know, we've got a very kind of tight knit, you know, company with the, I think a good culture. And, you know, I think most people in the organization would tell you they understand what we're all about and what we're trying to accomplish. And that, um, you know, we're, we're trying to stay true to, you know, kind of our long-term goals and thesis. And so, you know, I think for me, it's like, can we keep, you know, having the success is amazing, but can we do it the way that we want to without having to, to uh, move away from our core ideas and our approach? And, and, you know, if the answer to that is yes, then I think then we've really won. Got it. What, what's been your biggest challenge? I mean, you kind of mentioned it in there too, but what would you view as your biggest challenge and uh, that you've been through uh, with your team? Um, I think it's the same thing I just said. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's growing without, you know, changing your values or, or your approach. It's, it's, uh, you know, we do want to achieve scale. We do want to be one of the major players in the industry. So there's always these really conflicting, uh, considerations there. And it's easy to just say, you know what, like, let's just, you know, let's just, uh, take a shortcut. Let's, let's try to change our approach to, to satisfy the marketplace or, 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 you know, achieve some short-term goal. Um, and so there's, there's just this constant pressure and, and there's such a race being run in the industry and scale being built that, you know, we feel that pressure all the time. And so, um, so I think it's our greatest accomplishment that we have been able to keep it going on our terms, but it's our greatest challenge to make sure that we're, we're sticking to that. And um, there's only going to be, more opportunity to, to move away and to do different things as we move forward. And so uh, I think just, just kind of trying to maintain that, that, that approach and not change who we are. And, and, you know, I always believe that you put the right people in the right positions, you have a, a well-defined strategy and an approach, you run the right process and the good outcomes will come. If you do all those things, you don't have to even worry about the outcome. The outcome will, will, will be there. So, um, so for us, it's just about just, just sticking to that and, and doing it the right way. I love it. Uh, you know, I know you guys, and I, we don't need to break this down because there's so much out there about this, uh, about how much money you guys have raised. It's been close to hundred million when you include, you know, kind of sale leasebacks and all that. But how have you, uh, how have you chosen your capital partners? Like what's been kind of the, the way you've, you've kind of gotten them involved in the business and how have you chosen? I mean, I'm uh, obviously a big fan, but, but uh, you guys have a good thing going. So I'm sure you, you can be selective, but what, what was your selection criteria? Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, maybe all is an overstatement, but almost all of the capital that we've raised is coming from our direct relationships. So um, we've not gone out broadly to to you know to do broad capital raises. We haven't you know gone out to you know through investment banks or brokers. You know, every deal has been put together by Vishal and I. It's been largely with people that we have relationships with on the other side that, that we, that have, that know us personally, that have tracked the progress of our business over time. Um, so it's a really, it's a really, it's, I think, consistent with our approach overall, which is, you know, kind of don't just try to go fast and go big, but try to be thoughtful about the different pieces of it. Um, and so, you know, we weren't in any rush to go public. We still are not. Um, and that's been, you know, you know, a couple of years ago, that was a very contrarian position where everybody wanted to go public and thought we were silly to, to not do that and, and tap into some of that capital that was out there. But uh, to us, there was a, a fear that that would lead us in a, into a short-term decision-making type of a mode. And 
uh, and change our, you know, our priorities around in a way that we, we didn't want to. So, so I think, uh, so it's been, it's been all direct, you know, our, we do have some, you know, kind of small funds um, or larger family offices that are, that are participating, but pretty much in all cases, again, those are with groups that we have pre-existing personal relationships or professional relationships with. So, so it's, it's a tight knit group. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're lucky to have that kind of support from people that know us well. And, um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, from our standpoint, we're going to try to continue to approach it that way, at least in the, the near term or the medium term. And then, you know, if uh, at some point we may look at the public markets or, or some other more, more fundamental change, but, um, but, you know, for now we're able to get the support we need from our, you know, close circle of relationships. And, and I think that's a powerful, powerful kind of force for us. Yeah, I love it. I, I think uh, given your guys' age and your trajectory, um, I believe everything you're saying, not that I wouldn't anyway, but I'm just saying, I, I think the, the way the way you carry yourself, your background, your age, that the direction things are coming, um, I really see it happening. You know, you, you mentioned uh, you've applied in, in or getting licenses in, in the New York market. Is there any significance for you? You know, call it three. I'll include Joel in there. Kind of the founders. I'm not trying to exclude your leadership team. I realize there's yeah. a lot bigger team. But is there any significance in getting uh, into getting licenses where you guys grew up? Where you know, if I'm thinking about <laughs> myself, like this, it was illegal, and now all of a sudden you're going to go dominate at one point. Hopefully, if you get licenses there, which I think you will. Is there any significance there? Oh, huge significance. I mean, to us, um, you know, doing it at home, I mean, and, and for us, just to be clear, it's not like New York state, it's, it's Buffalo, it's Western New York that we really, you know, that's, that's our home. Like, uh, and, and so, you know, candidly, I was in Buffalo the last two days, um, uh, because we're, uh, we're kind of putting some of the, the, the foundational pieces in place to get ready for, for a process there, but no, it's, it would be, you know, it would probably be our, our crowning achievement, you know, in terms of our ability to, you know, put something there where we grew up, you know, certainly we want to bring cloud cover and our products into that market. Uh, it would be so exciting for, uh, for that community to have direct access to what we do. Um, we'd love to, you know, build a campus in Western New York, you know, create jobs, you know, be kind of a, an additive member of the community there and, and, and be positive, you know, a positive force. So, no, I'd be lying if I told you otherwise. And it's, it's something that we badly want. And, and, you know, we're putting all of our effort into making sure that we have an opportunity to get into that market. And, and then, you know, if we can build, uh, you know, if we, if we can be one of the leading players there, I think, you know, from a personal standpoint, there would just be a huge amount of satisfaction from that. Love it. Love it. Well, I'm cheering you guys on. What do you, you know, I heard a soundbite of you talking about why you don't, uh, you don't think you need to go public anytime soon. And it sounded, it was very crystal clear, but I don't remember the, the points on it, but maybe if you to walk me through, like, what do you think, like, how do you think this plays out in the next two, three years as far as federal legalization? And how are you preparing your business for what your, you know, kind of the assumptions that you're making? Yeah, that's uh, something I think about all the time. So, um, so, so a couple of different pieces to that. So one is the public markets, generally, you know, there's always a trade-off in my mind, you know, when you look at the public markets, I think the pros of it are that, you know, capital access, uh, liquidity for your shareholders, if some are looking to, to sell or, or get liquidity. Um, and then, you know, in some cases, like more of a public profile and, and more information about your business out there in the world. Um, I, I think the cons are, 
there's a lot of uh, additional compliance and cost and, and other things that the business has to incur to be public. Um, there's a lot of focus and attention that goes into, you know, making sure that you're uh, compliant as a public company with your, with your filings, with research calls. Um, and, and I think, you know, a corollary to that is, is in what I don't love is, is there starts to, in my mind, become a shorter term focus, um, you know, from the leadership of the company because you're so, you know, always thinking about quarterly filings and research calls and, and, and sort of how the market is viewing your business. And, and it is, a in my mind, it, it, it becomes a shorter term exercise then. Um, and so I've always viewed it as, you know, like anything in, in, in business, what is the cost and what is the benefit? What's the trade-off there? And it, it's felt to us that, you know, the trade-off for us was never there, meaning we were able to raise capital. We have good access. We have a, a very supportive shareholder group that's not looking for liquidity anytime soon. And so the pros of being public weren't really all that strong for us. Meanwhile, the cons we felt, you know, with that short-term focus, with all the resource allocation and costs associated with it, it just felt like the trade didn't make sense for us. Um, and so that's how we've always thought about it. And look, if we didn't have the kind of relationships that we have on the capital side, I think our, our view might be very different. If we, if we needed to go into the public market to get capital, then, then that would be our only option. So we've been, Fortunate, I think that we've been able to, to secure capital privately and, and at a very attractive, you know, on attractive terms. So it's not as if we're, our cost of capital is massively higher because we're private. So I think given all that, it, it, you know, on balance, it hasn't made sense for us as a company. Um, and then your, the second part of your question, um, I do think that that analysis changes if the U.S. public markets open up. Um, and, and that's really because I think you will see a significant run in valuations. I think there's just a deeper pool of capital that's available in the U.S. on better terms. And, and so that whole equation, that cost-benefit analysis will start to lean more in the direction of doing it if the U.S. markets open up. And so that's really kind of, I think, as we sit back today, I think what we're saying to ourselves is we're, we're fully funded today for what we need to do. Um, we can continue growing our business privately. And we can keep maintaining that long-term focus. And then if and when the U.S. markets do open, if there is that federal step, which, you know, we can talk about when that might happen, uh, you know, I, I have some perspectives on that, as you can imagine. But, but if and when that happens, I think that might be the right moment for us to then, to then venture out into the public markets. I love it. And you just got me uh, more excited than I've ever been about thinking about when the U.S. markets open uh, for <laughs> cannabis. I mean, that's going to be... It's going to be an amazing day. I'm going to start wrapping up because I want to be uh, respectful of your time, but I do want to yeah. ask a couple uh, questions specific to hiring uh, since that's kind of near and dear to our heart. What, what type of leaders have you uh, found uh, the most impactful in the cannabis industry? You know, it's uh, another great question. I mean, I, I think that at least in our business, we're looking for leaders that can lead, meaning they can build teams, they can oversee them, they can build departmental strategies and budgets, and they can execute on a plan. Uh, but we're looking for people that can also roll up their sleeves and, and do the work that needs to be done in those groups. Uh, because I think, you know, we're just inherently a lean business and we want to always be a lean business. And, and to me, that means hands-on leadership. Um, so I think that's you know, and I'm probably generalizing too much, but I, I think that that's something that I've really seen over and over again as being a key part of this. Um, there's no 
there's no ivory tower in cannabis. There's no, in my view, there's very few people that are needed to sit in an office somewhere and, and not actually touch and feel the business and, and be closely related to it. And, and, and that's true even of, of leaders of, of corporate teams that have, you know, corporate groups that they're overseeing. You know, I want a very high touch, hands-on leadership team that's very attuned to, to the work that's being done and that's actually involved in the work that's being done. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's not always easy to find people that can, you know, check both sides of that spectrum, but in a perfect world, I think those are the strongest leaders. Yeah. You know, unintentionally you've talked about, we have a leadership model for hiring. You've talked about, uh, and it, it has three elevated behaviors of being, being a relentless learner, developing other and driving results. And honestly, unintentionally, I'm kind of going through our conversation, just taking notes and you've kind of hit every point, um, you, you, you know, unintentionally. <laughs> Uh, so that, that great, kind of, great minds think alike, hopefully, is what that yeah, means. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've used that to hire a lot of great leaders, so uh, so that's worked well. But I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start wrapping it up, man. This has been amazing. You've been generous with your time. I've taken you over an hour. I typically don't like to go over an hour, but man, this has been. I could probably talk to you for like four hours. So I appreciate uh, you. Uh, it was great, great discussion, Max. And and you know, I think you're, uh, you know, you hit on a lot of good subjects, and and, and you know, really liked your approach to this. Awesome. Hey, where, how do people get a hold of, what are your, uh, what are the URLs? How do people get a hold of your company? I just want to. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Corporate website is www.c3industries.com. Uh, that's the main website um, for the two brands. It's cloudcoveredcannabis.com on the product side and then high profile cannabis on the retail side. Um, we've got, you know, active LinkedIn and Instagram pages for, uh, for, for C3 and, and then on the, on the Instagram side at the brand level. Um, so we'd love for people to follow us there, you know, track what we're doing. Um, certainly I'm very active on LinkedIn now as well. So if people are interested in, in kind of seeing, seeing what I have to say, I think that's a good place to follow me. Awesome. Awesome. And I've been doing that. Well, you've been listening to the built on purpose podcast with Max Hansen brought to you by Y scouts. You can find all of our past and future podcasts at yscouts.com. Thanks a lot for your time, Ancor. Thanks so much, Max. Appreciate it. All right, man. Hey, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. That was uh, that was fantastic. I appreciate you so much. That was uh, that will be an amazing podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts.